The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Happy mid-December to those of you who are listening in mid-December. Oh, I love this time of year. I love the windows. I love that when I put my dog's red coat on him, it seems seasonal. So I hope that wherever you are and whenever you're listening, you are having a lovely day or a lovely evening and that your progress on your vegan journey is going deliciously. We're going to help you out some today with that. After the break, I will be speaking with Allison Rivers-Sampson and Michelle Sen of the Dairy Detox. You know, when I gave up meat, I felt better emotionally. But when I finally got rid of the dairy, I actually felt better physically, even though I was just a very young thing and felt Pretty good anyway, but that dairy seems to be a great thing to get off the plate and out of the glass next to the plate. So we will be talking about that and learning about that. And right now, we are going to have the most extraordinary guest who has done the most extraordinary thing. You, I am sure, already know her books Virgin Vegan, The Meatless Guide to Pleasing Your Palate, and the beautiful coffee table and kitchen book. It's one of those books that is so gorgeous. You need one for cooking and one for people to look at. And that is Great Chefs Cook Vegan. Oh my goodness. If there is a foodie on your holiday list, order Great Chefs Cook Vegan. They will love you forever. The author is Linda Long, our guest. She's trained in home economics, taught high school early in her career, having grown up in the restaurant business, and was married for a decade into the resort hotel business, giving her a solid background for the project that she has embarked on most recently, which is that she has just returned from this to this country after spending a month in Kuwait, teaching cooking classes. Well, did she just show up and say, hey, does somebody want to know how to cook vegan? No, that's not really how you do it over there. She was actually invited by the Royal Al-Sabah family. She spent a month living in the Dar Nur Palace and traveling to a designated cooking house where the classes were held. Welcome and happy birthday to you, Linda Long. Thank you. I love being that I have another birthday. Some people just don't. <laughs> Some people say, oh, no, my birthday's coming up. And I say, yay, my birthday's coming <laughs> Yeah, you're very good at celebrating your birthday. I wonder if that's because it's in December, and lots of times December babies just say, oh, well, I'm overshadowed. But you don't do that. No, no, no. I mean, I my mother always made sure that 
Christmas did not interfere with my birthday. And I always had chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. And so right before I uh, called into your radio show, I had a great big piece of chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. And I thought of my late mother. <laughs> so it's been, been a fun day so far. Oh, that's sweet. Well, tell us, give us the quick version of how the opportunity came about so you can spend lots of time telling us all about it. Well, I quite a number of years ago, I was attending a reception at the Waldorf Astoria for the foreign minister of Kuwait. A gentleman just simply asked me if I'd like to accompany him. And I met the foreign minister there. And in the process, I met a lot of other young Kuwaitis who were also in New York. And um, one uh, one came over to me at one point and asked me where I lived, and it turned out to be the oldest son of the Emir of Kuwait, uh, whom I did not know that at the moment, you know. And he just simply asked me where I lived. What well, turned out we lived in the same building <laughs> on 86th and Second. This is 40 years ago, and um, so now his uncle, for whom the foreign minister, he. He was a foreign minister at the time. He is now the emir. So it, it's really the highest level of the Asaba family, I must say, that um, I just happened to know for a long time. And uh, he married someone named Paula, and she uh, lived in the same building also. And uh, she has been pretty much vegan since high school. And so... From time to time, we see each other, and the last time that she was in, she said, you know, Linda, I really think that we need to have this instruction in Kuwait. We have a lot of diabetes, we have a lot of heart disease, a lot of obesity, and she said that we now have one vegan restaurant and a lot of juice bars, and just the social conversation seems to be turning a lot to uh, eating and how it affects the body and uh, and especially the thought of plant-based eating, since when she's out or at a dinner party, or whatever, they notice that she's not eating meat. And in the conversation, you know how it is when someone sees how you're eating, they many times inquire, and that spawns a lot of good conversation mm. without you bringing it up yourself, you know. And, well, and, and uh, I'm sure it's the same all over the world that way. But those of us, I think, particularly in the States, Kuwait just seems so exotic and far away. So tell us about the, the students and the reception you got. Well, the reception was fabulous. Um, the students that I had were from most of the upper-end families because the classes that they they put a price on it was, you know, rather costly. And um, and it was a, a rather select group of people, but as uh, as, cla- as it went on, word got around, and so more people wanted to attend. And then once um, I did the six classes, one of the uh, young women decided she wanted a special class just for her and her friends, and she was willing to pay for another whole class and uh, fill it with her friends. And so. I ended up doing an extra class that I wasn't planning on doing, and uh, we ended up having it be an overview of all the classes. So I had to then suddenly create a whole new class looking at each of the previous six classes because each class was separate. I mean, they were different subjects. I did one on um, breakfast and brunches and then one on sandwiches, burgers, sandwiches, and spreads, another one on uh, hearty soups, salads, and dressings, and for some reason, that was the one that was signed up for most, well, the the quickest and the most students were in that for some reason. It, it was probably, the if I had to choose, I would have thought that wouldn't have been very interesting to, uh, to someone looking over this roster. But it was, in, they that was the most popular. Then um, I did Innovative Meat Alternatives, and then I did a Creative Dairy Alternatives class, and then, of course, a Decadent Desserts class and um but only and i thought the meat and the dairy classes would be the ones that people would be most interested in because that's what people find most difficult to deal with and but it wasn't only one person signed up for the meat and so she ended up attending one of the um you know a different class and we filled that spot though with a different class that we hadn't even planned on because so many people called up and said you know, I don't cook, I don't want to come, I want to eat this way, 
but I have a cook. See, most of the households there have cooks. And so (laughs) they ask if their cooks could come. And so then it was determined that the cooks and the the other students should not mix together. I guess it's a class thing. And that they felt it would be better. If, and so since there was only one person signed up for the meat alternatives, we said, well, let's make that a cook's class. And that was my favorite class. I mean, to be teaching cooks uh, who were so tuned in, and you could just begin at a higher level of, of instruction right away. Plus, I noticed that I wasn't not concerned at all if I messed up or if something didn't work out because cooks understand <laughs> when there's... Um, when something either doesn't work out or there's a little mishap or you forgot an ingredient or, you know, whatever it is. And so we had the best time, and they were so inquisitive. They were just almost desperate for the information. And it was a very, well, it wasn't just enlightening for them. It was enlightening for me to see the interest. And so you can imagine how good it makes you feel when you know that, someone that could afford to do anything, go anywhere, have any kind of food they want, and they're very, very tuned in and interested as to what is this plant-based eating all about? And yet, you know, the word plant-based, I mean, it's one of my soapboxes. I don't think anybody really knows quite what it means, but I think a lot of people would say, but but isn't the Middle Eastern diet generally plant-based anyway? I mean, no. it, meaning. More no. more plants than Americans eat. No, well, here's the problem. They 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 have a they do eat a lot of meat. Um, but the thing with their cooking is that it is so much oil. I mean, it it and it's one thing I talked about with the cooks, and they were very interested to hear me say it because you could you know when you're talking to someone, you can kind of see when something's hitting the brain and they're thinking and and their expressions tell everything. I just said, you know, I've been eating here. I was really there six weeks, by the way. And um, after about the first three weeks, I was just overwhelmed with how much oil was in all the food I had everywhere. And I thought, boy, if there was just half the oil. I mean, no oil would have been fabulous, you know, maybe enough to spray a pan or something. But even if they just cut that back half the oil in a dish, they're they're flavors would come through better their food would would i don't want to say shine because i think part of the reason they put so much oil on it they think it looks nice you know it makes the food all shiny and um but as i talked to these cooks i i said exactly what i just said to you and they were so interested in hearing that it's almost as though no one ever mentioned it to them and I said, you have a lot of the people that you're cooking for that have health issues. You know, they're, they have obesity problems and diabetes and heart disease. And and um, and I said, whether it's what you call the good oils or not, it's still fat. And they were shaking their heads and their their eyebrows would, you know, they would frown and then, but they would shake their heads yes, like in in discovery. It's as though they were so accustomed to doing all of this all the time that they never stopped to think that maybe there is another way to do it. Well, that's fascinating. I, I remember when my daughter became just in love with uh, Ethiopian food when she was six years old. And at the time, we lived in a city that had no Ethiopian restaurants. So I got a cookbook and tried to learn to cook Ethiopian food. And I recall that the recipes, and I realize Ethiopia is an entirely different part of the world, but still, they actually cooked the vegetables in oil, not frying, but just put a lot of oil in a pan and cook your carrots. And I remember thinking, this is just very different, at least very yeah. different you know, from yeah. anything that I was familiar with. So, Linda, what surprised you the most? Um, well, I was very surprised that they didn't have any idea what I meant by tempeh or, or seitan. Uh, but tofu is extremely popular. There is even I even met a Chinese woman who makes it fresh for a lot of the households. And... Um, but, of course, when they cook it, it's cooked with a ton of oil. And um, uh, so I wished I had learned how to make tempeh before I left. Now, I had 
observed Louise Hagler many, many years ago making it when I was down on the farm in Tennessee once for a, a week. And uh, But I was never prompted to do it myself because we can buy it so easily. And uh, But I was just aching that I had known that they had no idea what tempeh was, that I could have made some ahead of time and then shown them how to make it. The other thing, you know, with the seitan, I did notice that in one of the supermarkets there was um, an organic section, and it's a big supermarket chain. And of all things, the granddaughter of the owner of all of these supermarkets came to my classes. And... um, that's how I found out that I should go to the organic section and I would find some um, Bob's Red Mill products. Wow. And so I thought, oh, well, then I'm going to be able to get some guar gum that I was wanting to, because I was wanting to teach them how to make uh, some butter and uh, other things that would have more healthy ingredients in it. And um, and so I did so. It was not, so they had vital gluten flour. And uh, so I made it for the cook in the cook's class, and then I also made it for this class I told you that was an extra one, that uh, they wanted an extra class. And um, so they were just blown away. I made um, Miyoko Shinner's uh, barbecue ribs, and uh, I used, the barbecue sauce I used was, was from Candle 79's recipe that they had given me for Virgin Vegan, and I noticed they also have it, of course, in their cookbook. It's just a wonderful barbecue sauce, and so I used that to make to help you know to make the recipe, and a lot of it I took uh, back to the kitchen where you know I was staying in a palace. Just a, <laughs> an un, it's just difficult to talk about it because it's just out of a fantasy uh, to imagine that there really are buildings that people live in like this. And um, I took it back to the kitchen, and the cooks tasted it. And I didn't tell them. They thought it was barbecued beef. Mm. They really did not know that they were not eating meat. And well, so that, that is... was a shocker. And, and that is exciting. When when you feed vegan food that is supposed to have that texture and that taste to people who eat it every day, sometimes people will say, oh, it's been so long since you ate anything. Somebody said to me, what's that tasted good? You wouldn't know the difference. But these are people who not only eat it, but cook it. So yeah. that's pretty splendid. Linda, this is such an adventure. When I think about what you have just done, it reminds me of that best-selling book, Reading Lolita in Tehran, but you're cooking vegan in Kuwait. Are you going to go back? <laughs> oh, I hope so. In fact, the last day I was there, I was with one of the daughters at a, a, a production of Sweeney Todd, and when her friend found out why I had been in Kuwait, she said, oh, no, you can't leave. You have to stay. She said, this is exactly what I want to know about. I had no idea you were here doing the classes. You must stay. And then someone else is overhearing, and they said, what? Vegan classes? Oh, please, I want to come. You know, it was unbelievable. The enthusiasm was just so exciting. Well, I am excited that you went and that you're back and that it's your birthday. So everybody, please check out Linda. Um, Her website is lindalong.com. Her fabulous books are Great Chefs Cook Vegan and Virgin Vegan. We'll put all of that on the Main Street Vegan Podcast show notes. Linda, thanks so much for stopping by on this very special day. May you have a joyous birthday and rapid jet lag recovery. Oh, well, I'll, I'll take all of that. And I, okay. it's so nice being all with you, Victoria. <laughs> Thank you. And everybody else, stay with us because we're going to detox from dairy. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? 
and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. I just want to draw your attention to what is happening this very week over at the MainStreet.net blog. It's called Travel Fit During the Holidays. And the writer, Darlene Adamusic-Taylor, she just got married, is a a fitness model and a fitness competitor. She knows whereof she speaks. So if you're traveling this time of year, do take a look at some of her very practical tips and suggestions. And also, I want to bring in this word from our lovely current sponsor. You may know them, Vegan Outreach, for their work to create a vegan world. Well, they have an opportunity for you right now to make an incredible difference for animals. A group of donors has pledged to match your donation to Vegan Outreach so it will go twice as far in persuading more people to go vegan. Your $50 donation becomes $100 and so on. So don't miss this chance to double the good that you can do for animals. Make your tax-deductible donation now at veganoutreach.org. And now it is my distinct pleasure to be introducing you to two lovely young women, lovely, innovative, and enterprising young women, Allison Rivers-Sampson and Michelle Kane. I I woefully mispronounced her last name in the first uh, segment. They are the brains and the beauty behind the Dairy Detox. They're pioneers in the vegan community and longtime friends who have been thriving dairy-free for a combined 25-plus years. They believe that nobody should feel like a slave to the dairy industry. So they're here to liberate us all. They've combined their passions for dairy-free living with their individual expertise in cooking, health, filmmaking, and photography to create the life-changing online program, The Dairy Detox. Welcome, Allison and Michelle. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, it is wonderful to have you from out there in sunny California, although you guys are up north, so maybe it's not quite as sunny as I'm imagining. Not at the moment. (laughs) Oh, love to have you here. Either way, so... You're vegans, but your program isn't necessarily. So tell us, what is the Dairy Detox? Michelle? Take it away, Allison. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, sure. So the Dairy Detox is an online course that Allison and I created um, that's to help people who are not vegan, have probably never even thought about going vegan, maybe don't even know how to pronounce the word, <laughs> but are interested in doing something good for their health, um, maybe good for animals, maybe good for the planet, whatever they've heard about, these inklings going around about how dairy is not good for us. Um, and they want, they want to change that. They want to be able to dis- kind of rediscover healthy food and healthy living. And so we've created this program to really make that transition to dairy freedom easy and uh, packaged in a way that uh, people can do it in just 12 days. And then at the end of the program, we also have information about all of the reasons why, um, why it's so important for our planet and why it's so important for animals um, to hopefully inspire people to stick it with it and keep going for years to come. Well, I love your phrase, dairy freedom, because <laughs> we think about dairy free as a adjective for certain foods, but the idea of dairy freedom, it just sounds like something, why would you want that? <laughs> so why did you decide to focus on dairy? I mean, most people would say, well, gosh, let's let's get rid of meat first. We'll worry about the so-called byproducts later. Yeah, dairy is, I find that a lot of people, the scariest thing for them is not eating dairy. I mean, how many of us, when people find out we're vegan, the first thing that people say is, I can never live without cheese. And, you know, obviously we know that we can. And so Michelle and I thought, well, there are a lot of things about vegetarian out there, but why don't we tackle the dairy thing first? Because dairy is actually addictive. There are chemicals and hormones in dairy that make it addictive to our bodies. And once people see that, wow, I can actually eat very deliciously without dairy and I'm making all these good impacts on the world, maybe I could go further. Then, you know, not eating flesh I think is a lot easier. Well, I think you're very smart. They always say that if you have something difficult on your to-do list, do the hard thing first, the thing that scares you first, and then everything else is easy. So that seems to be your approach, and I'm so glad you brought up the hormones in milk because so often I'll hear people say things like, well, I only use organic dairy products, but this is the milk of a pregnant cow. It is full of hormones, organic or not. Right, and the other thing about... Yeah. And the other thing about organic that a lot of people don't realize is, um, is that it's, it can actually be much worse in terms of the treatment of animals because these, these farms aren't able to use the antibiotics and the other things that they would usually use to treat disease and to to treat other issues that these animals are going through. So oftentimes the suffering on factory farms is, is far, far worse, uh, for items that are organic and have these other kind of trigger labels pasted on them at the supermarket. You know, this is the second time I've heard this. Somebody was on the show talking about a a pig from an organic farm. And this is so not what we think about. I know that um, uh, Sonia Faruqi's wonderful book where she visited the various um, farms all over the world, actually, her whole exploration started when she was interning on an organic dairy farm. and, And the conditions were pretty bleak so um glad you're not um giving people an out (laughs) certain (laughs) kinds of milk now you have a very interesting question here on some of the literature that you sent me you said why is dairy a feminist issue Ooh, tell us (laughs) well first i just want to say something about Feminism. I think that, you know, throughout the years, feminism has gotten a really bad rap, and I've learned that currently young girls, the, the popular belief is that feminism is a bad word. It's an F word. And that is terrifying to me. Whenever I'm talking with a young girl, I always want to make sure she knows that Feminism is a great word. Being a feminist is a great thing. And all it means is equality. 
that's it. You know, we want to be treated the way we want equal rights and equal pay. And, of course, there's a whole lot more to it, but at its base, that's what it means. And so how can that possibly be a bad thing? And so when it comes to dairy, one of the things that, that people tend to think is, you know, who haven't really gotten much education about this, is that there are dairy cows who just, they just have milk, you know, like turning on a water faucet. They just are milking cows. And this couldn't be further from the truth. There, there's a whole lot of things that have to happen, namely being pregnant and giving birth, that must come before the milk. So just like humans, cows only have milk when they have had a baby. And in our current uh, system of animal agriculture that, you know, is far and wide, it doesn't matter if they're grass-fed, if they're organic, if they're um, hormone-free, I mean, that's just an added thing because, as you said, Victoria, I mean, it takes a cocktail of hormones for a nursing mother to nurse. All you have to do is ask my husband from when I was nursing, right? <laughs> so when, when we think about what it takes to become a mother, especially for these animals, there's, there's nothing natural about it. They're forcibly impregnated, and then they're kept in, you know, these really horrible conditions until they give birth to their baby. And then when they do, the baby gets taken away right away and so that the humans can basically steal the baby's milk because a mother cow is making milk for her baby. That's it. That's the only reason nature gives mammals milk. And why this is a big surprise to intelligent, educated people continues to astound me. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a it's amazing. Like for for me, uh, I remember Katie Cantrell from Factory Farming Awareness Coalition. Uh, she does a whole presentation about factory farms, and one of the things she said there is. Um, the females are being target, not tar- used and exploited for their reproductive system. And, and just that phrase really hit home with me, right? Like if we, like these animals are being used simply because they're born a female and their reproductive system is being completely exploited by these industries for profit, um, which is super heartbreaking. And it's really interesting because I publish a lot of videos online about dairy. And one of them that I made is called, um, it's a draw my life video. That's an illustrated um, depiction of the life cycle of a dairy cow. And it's gotten a pretty big reach. And it's interesting reading the comments on YouTube, which is a lot of younger people, but also older people. And a lot of the comments are saying like, if you don't milk the cow, the cow will explode. Like (laughs) it's just that people are so far removed from animals and from our, our food system and where like our food really comes from that. We just create these stories in our head that are so false. Um, which is why Allison and I both have come together and believe it's so important to spread education about this. Cause we think like if people understood just the basics of, human physiology and how this works, it would be so clear to people that it's not natural to be drinking milk um, as adults and the milk of another species. Um, yeah, so, so we've, we've been very fascinated as we just continue to dig into the dairy issue. Well, <laughs> I think the exploding cow myth is sort of like, and if everybody became vegan, what would happen to all the animals? You know, it's right. just, okay, yes. let's... <laughs> Let's get down to questions that are a little bit more within the realm of reason. I'm fascinated by your feminist argument. And as I think back to when feminism was just coming on the scene, you know, it, it got the same criticisms and maybe worse. I remember, you know, being a young woman, a teenager at that time, I, I was hearing, oh, those, those feminists, they're ugly. They're not married because nobody will marry them. And they wear Oxfords. <laughs> I mean, it was just all of, of this really fear. And I wonder if part of that fear is, is why we cling to things like dairy. So what, why did you do, why did you sit down and say, let's uh, make the world, let's give the world dairy freedom? 
for for me as a mom, um, I have a ten year old daughter, and I nursed her, and I had had this very shocking experience early on. Um, I had already been vegan for ten years, and you know, I knew it all. I even though we, I still feel like I learn all the time. I mean, I knew a lot about being vegan after that many years. But one afternoon, I was sitting with Olivia, nursing her, and everything was perfect about the moment, like the temperature in the room, just the warmth, the closeness we were sharing. Everything was going right with the nursing, and um, you know, I had finally gotten my groove with that as a new mom. And I should have been feeling great in that moment, but suddenly I had this this wash of just such grief, and I couldn't quite figure out what that was all about. And finally it dawned on me that I was grieving for the mother cows who don't get to have this experience. Their babies are torn away from them. Everything that is natural to them, where they would be bonding and nursing and cuddling and nudging and all those things that the babies and the mothers would be doing together, is denied them. And they're used as though, I mean, like they're, they're nothing. They're not beings. They have no lives. And I, I just, it struck me so strongly. I'm sure it had something to do with the cocktail of hormones going on in my body in that moment. But at the same time, it was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it from this perspective. And having that awareness stuck with me. And I knew that one day I wanted to say more about this. I wanted to share more about this, more than just in a conversation with someone else, you know, sitting just one other person. And I think that for me, that just kind of sat there. Uh, The seed was there. And when the time was right, it bloomed. And when Michelle and I were talking about working on a project together, it really became a natural um, you know, that I had like a jack in the beanstalk of that seed at that point. And I'm like, let's do dairy. Wow. Yeah. And, and we really did feel like this was the most impactful thing that we could create, um, within a year to make the biggest impact on animals. Because if you think about it, there's like 9 billion dairy cows just in the U S alone. Um, so a ton of people are still drinking milk, dairies and everything. But at the same time, there's like new vegan cheeses popping up at the grocery store every week. And like the, the options and the ease of transitioning to a dairy free life, uh, is so accessible and fun and easy and, and trendy right now. Um, and all of the reasons, especially the health reasons, which we feel like we could reach a whole new audience, um, of people that wanted to do something great for their health, uh, just made this kind of like the linchpin topic that we could bring people in the door and just really make like change the way that they're thinking about food and come out the other side, um, just completely transformed. Well, your timing is perfect. I mean, there's almond milk in every Dunkin' Donuts across the country. <laughs> Yay! I would have ever thought that. And the paleo people, not that we agree with them on a lot, but most of them are down on dairy. So uh, right. I'm all for uh, allies wherever we find them. So everybody, the website is The Dairy Detox, and it's that way just all across the web, The Dairy Detox on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So um, ladies, tell us about the program. What would happen if someone went there? So the Dairy Detox is a video-based program, and we start new sessions on the first of the month. So our next session begins January 1st, and um, you will get a video each day. You'll get an email um, with a video, and in each day we talk about a different aspect of dairy. So one day we'll talk about health and nutrition. Another day we'll talk about what do you use instead of milk. And we go really in-depth on all the different options uh, from 
what you can buy conveniently in the store to how you can easily make it at home. And we really wanted this program to be something that would work for everyone so they could choose their level of detox. So it's a detox specifically from dairy. But if if all someone wants to do is go buy a vegan pizza at the store, they can do that. Like, we have so many different options for that. But if they want to make their own things, then we have an e-cookbook that goes with the program as a bonus that they can do that too. So they can, they can choose how, how healthy and how whole food they want to be with it. And of course, we also talk about, you know, how, what about cheese and all the different options. And we just want to expose people to what the different possibilities are out there. Because, I mean, Victoria, you've been a vegan forever. And as those of us who've done this for a long time know, there is just no reason (laughs) not to in this day. I mean, we just have so many delicious options now. And it's all good. Like, everything about it is good. And um, we dedicate a day to the animals. We dedicate a day to the environment. And we have a, a community where people can um, online ask questions and share different things with each other and ask us questions. We're completely available. And we're, our whole goal is to just make this fun, easy, and a really, you know, exciting adventure. And You know, so many people who choose this new way of living recognize that their diets actually expand. It's less about what we're taking out and more about the new things that we're putting in. And there are so many new things to put in that we actually have more abundance than we did before. That's exciting. I love it. Now, I'm a little confused because I heard 12 days and I heard 30 days. How long? How many videos? Oh, no, not 30 days, 12 days. So we, it, it, we start on the first of the month. So for the first 12 days of the month, you get a video and that's it. Then, you know, we don't have a program going the second half of the month. So it's just, we started on the first and then for the, the, those 12 days, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd through the 12th, you'll get a video each day. But you bring up a good point. If for some reason, you know, something happens in your life and, you know, you get sidetracked or whatever, um, you don't have to complete it in the 12 days because we offer lifetime access. So sometimes, you know, something might happen or maybe somebody wants, uh, you know, there was something, I remember there was something in that video, I want to go back and look at it or I need to get more inspiration and motivation again. So they can have that. They will always be a part of our Dairy Detox tribe. So oh, um, how exciting. we yeah. encourage that um, yeah. you know, and we, interaction. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, and we, we also recognize that probably a lot of the people listening today are vegan. And so a big a big reason why we created this was to be a tool and a resource for our fellow vegans for those times where you have friends or you have family that, that – have an inkling that they want to do something good for their health or tell you they feel like they could never give up cheese or they want to make that step, here's something that we can easily give them. Um, And we've even had a lot of vegans take the course already just to kind of refine their uh, communication style about these issues. Oh, that's so good because I know when I was pre-vegan and when I was struggling early vegan, it always seemed that if I was going to fall off the wagon at all, just fall off to dairy. Like it wasn't right. as bad as falling off to an egg or something. <laughs> but I think when when you look at the whole picture, you know, it, it's it's pretty nasty stuff and it's good to just have it gone and away. I love the 12 days. And I do want to share something about the first 12 days of January. I know a lovely spiritual teacher, Barbara Bijou here in New York City. I think some of our Unity listeners know her from her beautiful book, The Joy of Ritual and the Joy of Family Ritual. And she teaches that in, in many esoteric teachings around the world, the first 12 days of a new year 
really color what that year is going to be like. So January 1st is going to color your February, your your January. January 2nd will color your February. The 3rd will be your March. And so to think of doing the dairy detox in January, or certainly any time, but but January because that's coming right up, you can really put some some thought power behind that and make this a very important life step, whether you're just beginning on this journey or whether you're already mostly vegan, but oh gosh, they didn't have any soy milk, I'll have a little half and half and and really get that commitment going. So what for each of you was really surprising that you didn't know before? Because, you know, you guys have been vegan a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, so I knew about kind of the, the integration between the government and our food systems and especially kind of the animal industries. Um, but one of the interesting things that we learned was that, um, the got milk campaign is actually trademarked of the, uh, to the USDA, <gasps> which just blew our minds. Like yeah. just looking through the history of dairy, so much of that we had never heard before. And both Allison and I really want to like kind of compile that history and make it a resource that's accessible to people because it's super fascinating. Um, but then bringing that, that beyond, I mean, we all, most people know about the subsidies, um, like the, the USDA spends $550 million, uh, to reach Americans with slogans about, buying more animal foods and they spend like $30 million in subsidies for animal products like dairy and only a tiny fraction of that on fruits and vegetables. So these are things that we obviously need to change. And we learned um, just some fascinating things <laughs> in our research about it. Yeah, it is really shocking for me that that got milk being owned as property of the U S government was that just blew my mind. And that is I don't know if you knew this, Victoria, but that is actually the most successful advertising campaign in history. I so didn't know. That was just such a shock to me. And, and really, there's so much that we dug into with, I mean, especially, as Michelle said, with the history, like how intertwined the government is with these things and how it got that way and and what their intention was and how there were um, surpluses and it had to do with the depression and our economics and and really our our what they thought you know at the time our survival as a country but none of that outmoded um all of that foundation that is now outmoded, none of that has been revisited and changed except to be increased. So in addition to this, to dairy being a feminist issue, it's actually also a, it's a a social justice issue. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this, that um, with lactose intolerance, for example, two-thirds of adults have lactose intolerance. That's two out of every three adults. That number is so high. I I had no idea. I thought it was maybe like 5% or something like that. And we know that there are certain groups of people um, who, especially people of color, who have problems with dairy. And yet here we are saying all these false things about how dairy, you know, does a body good and, you know, all, all this stuff that is not taking into account what's really true for the majority of people and especially for people of color. So it's, it's a really wide reaching issue that it's, I, we're really just beginning to dig into, I think. That's so fascinating because if two-thirds of adults are lactose intolerant, and then you also have your people with dairy allergies, which is right. different, the lactose is the sugar, the allergies is the protein, and yet there's almost no attention to that, and yet 1% of the people have celiac disease and you see gluten-free all over the grocery store. Great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that's, that is a really good point. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's just, it's all incredibly fascinating. I know I was up in Watkins Glen to visit Farm Sanctuary, and there's a sweet little coffee shop there that has a bunch of vegan stuff, obviously, because it's in the same town as Farm Sanctuary. And they have all these old-fashioned artifacts around from about 1900 or so. And one of the things that just blew me away was a big can of baby calf formula from that yeah. era. Because everybody thinks, well, back then, and the, and the way it'll be if we only get these small family farms, then the mother and the calf will stay together and we'll just take the leftover milk. Well, guess what? Back then, even, they were feeding those baby calves formula so that they could take all the milk from the mom. Right. It's, it's just an evil thing <laughs> from exception to now. So you are really building a lot of community into the dairy detox. Why did you do that? Why do you think it's important? Well, for both Allison and I, when we first went dairy-free, uh, and this is the case for most people that we know, uh, it, we did it alone. Um, and we kind of had to learn everything alone. Uh, I went vegetarian when I was eight years old and I never knew another vegetarian until I was in college. And then when I went vegan in college, I didn't know a lot of vegans until years later. So, uh, we both felt very strongly that like the struggle was real when you're doing it alone, when you're doing anything alone, it can be hard, but just having, um, a friend do it with you or a community resource, like the more people that surround you that are that are kind of in it with you, the easier it gets. So we wanted to make sure to create that for people and to connect our students with each other so we could all support and empower one another. Um, so yeah, that was a very, very important component that we integrated into the Dairy Detox. That's wonderful. So everybody can kind of be um, dairy, dairy-free buddies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah like exactly. That. I like that. And if you don't have someone, you know, in person you can do something with, I mean, that's one of the great things about the Internet is that, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things that aren't great, but this is something that's really great is that we can find community and we can share in in going through something together when, like, the stumble, you know, might be starting to happen. There's someone there who can be like, oh, I got you. Aw, well, I'm so excited about this because I think you, you really are reaching out to a, a very large audience and the the whole the term, the dairy detox, it's all very new and fresh and you've got the alliteration going on. <laughs> so I think you're going to set the world on fire in, in every kind of good way. So just finally, in our last couple of minutes, I'd love to hear from each of you about how you're going into this new year. I've just started using a hashtag that I hope everybody will pick up on, and it is hashtag save the planet anyway. The (laughs) idea being that so many people are feeling very discouraged, like it's looking as if people in power don't really think climate change is an issue. It's just seeming like, what are we going to do? Well, how about we do it? Thus, save the planet anyway. So, how how are you guys going into 2017? Allison, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, one of the things, I mean, since you pointed out politics, I think that, you know, I, a lot of our things that we look at, especially as vegans, can seem not as important when it comes to the very, you know, concerning things that are going on. And what I realize is that the way I live my life every single day is my political statement. And yes, I'm going to make my phone calls. I'm going to be doing all of that. And there's politics on my plate. Every single thing that's on my plate has a political message. And that's where my power is. So Every time I'm choosing to not contribute to global warming, which actually people think that, you know, it's about transportation and all of that, but that is, you know, damaging our planet, animal agriculture is responsible for more than half of it. So I I recognize, okay, here is me flexing my muscle, 
and I'm also contributing to kindness. And so I feel empowered with that. And so my message is the politics on my plate and in my actions. As a woman, there are so many things that the culture demands and expects of us. And I am eschewing a lot of those things, and I might be breaking some rules, and I might be making some people unhappy, but ultimately, I'm making myself happy, and I'm not doing it at the expense of another. So to me, that's, that's my, my goal is I'm the one living this life. I get to choose to be happy, and I can't control how other people are going to respond to that. But Bravo. I get to go to bed with myself, and, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> okay, we need 30 seconds for Michelle. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Allison said. And then today's political climate reminds me that feminism and social justice and, and all of these issues that have always been important, but they're more important right now than ever uh, that I've seen in my lifetime. I'm 30 years old. And, and yeah, this is something that we can do to take action. And it, it just... It's so important to remember that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I think Martin Luther King said that. Um, so, yeah, I just try and take my actions and control what I'm doing and make sure that they're actions of kindness. Oh, bless you both. Thank you so much. Love what you're doing. Love your energy and just love that you're out there. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> Thanks to Thank Jeff. Thank you, <laughs> You're so welcome. And thanks to Unity Online Radio. Next week, next week is our handy dandy holiday show. We're going to be having on Catherine Green from a vegan food pantry. How about that in this giving kind of, of year, helping the needy in a vegan way? And we're going to have Marie Oser talking about the skinny on soy. So my little holiday present to you is to answer that question about, oh my gosh, soy. It's a conundrum. Well, it won't be after next week. Thank you all so so very much. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Thank you for tuning in to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central to further examine the spiritual teachings and religious traditions of our world and to discover the universal truth principles present in all. World Spirituality, only on UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. You can choose to focus on what you perceive as lacking in your life, or you can change your outlook. You can become wise to wonderful ways of playing the game of life. Count your blessings. Instead of focusing on what you believe is missing, let yourself become aware of how truly blessed you already are. This is the way to build an attitude of gratitude. Give thanks for all of the abundance you're presently enjoying and for the abundance of every good thing that's on its way to you. Everything you need to be happy is already within you, waiting to be discovered. Unlimited happiness and fulfillment can be yours. Unlock the door to undiscovered treasure by building an attitude of gratitude. This law of life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. 
What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. <laughs> 